Hi, everybody. Carla here, and welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. I have for you on this Halloween, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. It was published in 1845. But before I get to the reading, I wanted to read the comment, well, just the very beginning of the comment by Ed C. Stedman. And this comment was written in 1884 when the poem was republished. It's kind of like an introduction that Mr. Stedman wrote. And uh, it's in the publication by Harper Brothers and Franklin Square. But in any event, I thought it was really, really interesting what Mr. Stedman had to say in setting the mood of this poem. And I wanted to share it with you. And this is what he had to say. He said, the secret of a poem, no less than a jest's prosperity, lies in the ear of him that hears it. Yield to its spell, accept the poet's mood. This, after all, is what the sages answer when you ask them of its value. Even though the poet himself and his other mood may tell you that his art is but sleight of hand, his food enchanter's food and offer to show you the trick of it, believe him not. Wait for his prophetic hour, then give yourself to his passion, his joy, or his pain. And I thought just that little piece of the comet sets the mood perfectly for this wonderful poem. So thank you for joining me. And also, I noticed that I've been forgetting to say that you can write to me at CarlaReadsTheClassics at gmail.com. I'm glad I remembered to say it this time. So please, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, I welcome your emails at CarlaReadsTheClassics at gmail.com. So thank you very much for listening. Please stay tuned. The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. "'Only this and nothing more.' Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my book's surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore, nameless here for evermore. And the silken sad uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This is it, and nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. "'Sir,' said I, "'or madam,' Truly, your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is, I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the darkness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore.
This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore, merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning. Soon again I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see, then, what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. "'Tis the wind, and nothing more. "'Open here I flung the shutter, "'when, with many a flirt and flutter, "'in there stepped a stately raven "'of the saintly days of yore. "'Not the least obeisance made he, "'not a minute stopped or stayed he, "'but with mane of lord or lady "'perched above my chamber door, "'perched upon a bust of palace "'just above my chamber door, "'perched and sat, and nothing more.' Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore, though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly, grim, and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, Nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door. Bird or beast upon the sculpted bust above his chamber door, with such name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul and that one word did he outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, Other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store. Caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, never more. But the raven still beguiling all my sad soul into smiling, Straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then, upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking, never more. This I set engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining, that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tingled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried. By God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee. Respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. 
Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still of bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil. By that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a sainted maiden from the angels named Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels call, call Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked, upstarting, get thee back into the tempest and the nice plutonium shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy break from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, Never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door, and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted never more. Thank you for listening to my reading of The Raven. Yes, I know there was a reading flub here or there, but I hope you were able to enjoy the poem anyway. So thank you again for listening here at Carla Reads the Classics. Until next time.